Oink oink, this is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 108, about Gotham, a dark night, season 4, episode 6, Hog Day Afternoon. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. Welcome back, detectives, to this hog day afternoon uh, where we are enjoying a nice hog roast as we see Professor Pig turn up in this episode, episode six of Gotham season four. I am one of your hosts, John. Uh, I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back. We are a little bit late this week, as we said last week. A bit of a birthday week for us, with John's 40th birthday happening. So we took a little bit of a break to uh, to travel back to Dublin and have a bit of a big celebration. Absolutely. Uh, Many greasy fry-ups with huge amounts of pork products <laughs> were consumed to uh, ease the hangovers uh, and to uh, line the stomach for, for the drinking ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, but great fun, really good fun. Thanks for all the happy birthday wishes from uh, from all of our listeners and all of you out there. Thank you so much for that. It was really good of you. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. And we'll kick off this episode with a little bit of news that's come out because it's causing lots and lots of ripples and waves in the Gothamverse uh, with amongst the other detectives. Uh, this post came up on our, on our Facebook group the other day, and I think there's already about 50 comments on it from people's reactions. Um, so we will be seeing a new Poison Ivy, John. Uh, another actress, Peyton List, is now going to be taking over the part of Poison Ivy from Maggie Giha, who herself took over the part from Claire Foley, uh, who had been Poison Ivy for the first two seasons. So uh, we will be seeing a change um, to the character of Poison Ivy. We did The last time we saw the character, she was swallowing lots and lots of pills um, in, a, in a local pharmaceutical department. Or <laughs> yeah, lots of potions at uh, one of the sort of Chinese medicine shops there in Gotham. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, another Poison Ivy. Yeah, uh, more than we can possibly choose from. I mean, uh, it's, it's a weird one, really. Yeah, we were only just getting used to um, Maggie Gial, who was um, coming into her own in this role, having a really nice um, end of season three kind of relationship with Penguin mm -hmm. and being one of his saviors. I, I mean, I was really enjoying what she was doing. And so, yeah, now we get uh, Poison Ivy number three. Yeah, yeah. So according to the producers over uh, who spoke to TVinsiders.com, uh, the change is the latest effort on their part to cultivate the character. Uh, and they quote, uh, in the continuing evolution of Poison Ivy's origin story, Ivy Pepper has been transformed once again, taking another step towards becoming the Ivy we know from the comics. Dangerous, a live wire of crazy energy. She'll set her sights on Gotham, intent on making the city your own green paradise. So that does sound very similar to the kind of motivation that we saw in the comic books version of Poison Ivy. Which, of course, is interesting. It's exactly where we, where the show should be going, of course. But it is uh, an odd choice to, to move on to another Ivy two seasons into the show, or four seasons into the show now, uh, having two different Ivies and now a third one coming on board. But obviously, we'll wait and see. Gotham has pulled this trick off before with Maggie Giha before when she took over from Claire Foley. Uh, did a really good job of that tra transfer. So here's hoping they can do it again. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we will wait and see, and uh, we'll certainly have our trotters crossed uh, for for this. Yes, so uh, as you can probably tell. There will be many piggy puns in this episode. <laughs> Definitely. So we're hoping to see um, the new Poison Ivy in episode 12 of Gotham coming up. So quite a while to wait. Uh, I think it's time to get into our episode 7 coverage. Yeah, but before that, as always, remember, subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Just go to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. You can also subscribe to any other good or evil or Android podcasts as well over at gothamtvpodcast.com. And just to remind you all um, of the continuing scene, line, event of the week in each episode of Gotham, please keep those coming in to be in with a chance uh, of um, the prizes at the end of this season of Gotham. Your name will, of course, be drawn out of one of the fantastic hats that we own. Um, Yeah, you can send that through by email at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. And of course, you can even leave a voicemail with your thoughts. Just go to gothamtvpodcast.com and, and leave up to 90 seconds of voicemail over on the right-hand side of the screen. Mm-hmm. But yes, with that, on to our spoiler-filled review. Yes, this episode, episode six of Gotham Season 4, Hog Day Afternoon, is named after Dog Day Afternoon, the um, the kind of crime drama comedy from 1975, which starred Al Pacino. I actually watched it this week. Uh, really interesting movie, very different to what I was expecting, <laughs> but, uh, but a nice little t- nod of the hat to another 70s crime drama from the Gotham family over there. The episode was directed by Mark Tondorai again. This is his third episode. Uh, he did They Who Hide Behind Mask and Light the Wick in Season 3. And it was written by Kim Newton. She's new to Gotham. It's her first episode credit for her, but she is a co-executive producer on the season as a whole. So we'll probably see another couple of episodes from her later on in the season. Uh, she's been in the business right back to 1996, writing episodes of The X-Files. And recently, she's been writing episodes of The Blacklist. Cool. Very cool. Uh, X-Files. Absolutely. Mm. I don't know The Blacklist, actually. Maybe I've blacklisted it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good show. Well, well worth a watch. And with that, John, do you want to take us on to your synopsis for the episode? Sure. This little piggy went to market, this little piggy stayed at home, and this little piggy kills corrupt cops. The serial killer known as Professor Pig leaves his victims with their heads covered with a severed pig head, his signature mark, a warning to other cops in an attempt to rid that filthy sty, the GCPD precinct, of corrupt officers in league with the Penguin's licensing system. Elsewhere in the Narrows, in Gotham, Solomon Grundy is winning battles at Cherry's Fight Club, while Nygma begins a tentative alliance with Leslie Tompkins, and Sophia Falcone and Penguin continue their uneasy dance of trust. As cop murders begin to mount, Jim and Harvey are hot on the hooves of the cop killer and track him to an abandoned warehouse where he traps them. Bound and captured by Professor Pig, Jim learns an uncomfortable truth about Professor Pig's motives and about his old pal and partner, Harvey Bullock. Yes, I think this episode could be subtitled Revelations and Pig Puns, really, wouldn't it? Definitely. (laughs) Let's go on to the first part. Let's leave Professor Pig for a little bit later on in the episode. Our first one here, we have Ningrudkins. Wow. Starting up, yes, Nygma, Grundy and 
Leslie Tompkins joining together. Um, it's a really interesting relationship here. I love the opening moments here where Enigma comes to speak to Leslie Tompkins, uh, having having realized she's in Cherry's Fight Club. Uh, quite quite a cool little moment where Leslie goes to him, um, why would I have any problem with you? Is it because you killed Christian Kringle or blamed the murder on Jim? So he was in prison when we lost our baby? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty... Um, it, I wasn't holding out much hope, really, for... Uh, uh, Ed Nigma here, mm-hmm. definitely not. But yeah, Nigma certainly turns it around uh, by the end, and of course, using quite a bit of stealth and a bit of um, you know his own brain. Maybe his brain is beginning to reform; those those neurons are starting to reconnect. But he certainly is able to um, get Le- Leslie on side, just purely from the fact that she has her own um, little clinic here, helping the. The people who live in the Narrows area of of Gotham, Mm -hmm. one of the poorest areas. And so as soon as he kind of just wafts the money uh, in front of her uh, towards the end, she is um, happy to come on board. She needs this money to purchase the the pharmaceuticals uh, for her um, patients. So uh, really, um, yeah, he he manages to to bring it round. I loved how at the end, Leslie uh, kind of really says to Ed, that the the way you would have really blackmailed me is if you had gone to Cherry to say that you would take uh, Grundy away from the Fight Club yeah. if you didn't help out. Yeah. It's so, right. yeah, I mean, she was right. Enigma could have been a bit better, really. Yeah, I really do like those moments. It's got a, it's got a very funny where she's saying to him, um, your brain's still not working. What is it that you're going to do now that you know that I have clinics? And he goes, I'm going to use that against you. And she goes, but how? What's your plan? And he goes... I'll blackmail you. He says, that's not a plan. That's not a plan at all. Uh, what you should have done is, is exactly as you said, John. Yeah. Love that kind of interaction between the two of them. It's interesting. I like, I like seeing Leslie have these, uh, this new storyline. As I said last week, it's kind of cool to give her her own storyline away from Jim Gordon, away from the GCPD. And yeah, hopefully we're going to see her uh, continuing on this storyline for a while. Um, there's been some good relationships already this season with Nigma and, and Grundy and adding her into the mix is quite a, quite an interesting idea. Yeah. Well, it, it's nice to see this, um, group of misfits and outcasts really kind of come together and it will be really interesting to see what they they make of this mm-hmm. um, you know we were talking about the potential of there being the sirens here and that's kind of gone cold for a, for a while now that that whole aspect with regards to Rachel Ghoul has gone but here we have the no- another possibility of, of more of a, a misfits and outcasts of, of Gotham uh, coming together to work together uh, and it, it will almost be a shame when Ed Nigma, like he m- is more than likely to do uh, re- regains his intellect uh, and becomes sort of the the the, the fairly um intellectual snob that he is uh, maybe he won't ever turn back to that but certainly you know you can see him shunning Grundy and, and Tompkins pretty soon once he's got his um, his brain fully functioning again mm-hmm, absolutely uh, some fairly brutal scenes in the uh, in Cherry's fight club this week with Grundy um, taking control and, and taking on some of the other fighters in the club uh, I think he takes out Hammer who's the first opponent that he has and it crushes his head with his own hammer. Uh, the second guy he takes on, he does the same thing, crushing and killing him as well. Uh, but uh, but the one that actually got me was Leslie's um, fixing of a broken nose as, as uh, one of the fighters is knocked to the, 
ground. She just walks over to him and with a swift click tells him it's all it's all okay. <laughs> Don't worry. It's yeah, back yeah, short and sweet, uh-huh. short and sweet. But Grundy is definitely the new star of Cherry's Fight Club, mm-hmm. uh, and it is really interesting to see Leslie patching him up uh, and her really beginning to to note differences between his body and the the normal bodies that she's dealing with. There's certainly less blood and more swamp water. <laughs> uh, and certainly uh, there is more heartbeats with the normal uh, patients that she sees. Yes, um, like Yes, like a single heartbeat. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, Grundy has none. So she, she quickly realizes um, that Grundy is most definitely uh, very different from Butch Gilzean. Yeah, yeah. But even though he doesn't have a heartbeat, he does have a lot of love for his best friend, Ed. Even when Leslie tries to get in between the two of them, he's not willing to take that. Grundy has a friend, and it's Nigma. Let's see how that one plays out as we go on through the season. But I think it's time to Kate Snow too, John. Yes, the ongoing saga um, of Penguin and Sophia Falcone. Um, yeah, so she doesn't turn up for another lunch date. Mm. And so Oswald's uh, suspicion uh, prickles up again as he is really uh, believing that she is going to go after him uh, and take over his crown as king of Gotham's underworld. But ultimately, she has just simply opened up uh, an orphanage. Uh, and so... Uh, he he seems pretty uh, downbeat from that. He apologizes to her. You know, before that, he's got Zaz following her, um, taking pictures. You know, she's meeting with uh, the mer- um, members of the council mm-hmm. uh, and the city uh, administration, dealing with land zoning and all of this. And so, yeah, Oswald is really suspicious here. But ultimately, in the end, um, he apologizes to her when he realizes that... Um, there seems to be nothing underhand uh, going on. But, of course, again, I do feel here that um, she is more than likely underestimating Penguin rather than Penguin being gullible and falling for her trap. If it is the case where he's fallen for her emotional advances and certainly using the power of his dead mother to try and uh, get influence uh, over him and, and manipulate him through that, then it'll be really um, strange, I think, to to see this because, um, as I said before, uh, you know, we had that fairly um, big moment with the frozen Enigma uh, and Penguin really making sure that this monument, that this Nixicle will always remind him never to use his emotions when making decisions and acting as the Penguin, as Oswald Cobblepot, mm-hmm. head of the Underworld. So I, I hope it doesn't go down that route. And, and is, I, is it just as simple as that, that the monument's gone, so now Penguin's forgotten that big thrust in his life? It can't be that simple. Um, but she's is doing a great job, I have to say, for Sophia. She is working him really hard. We get a little drop line at the beginning of the episode between these two characters where she says, we've now eaten out of three restaurants across the city. Everybody knows that the Falcons are giving the Cobblepot their support in this city. They know that now. Now we need to work on our friendship next. So she is taking it stage by stage, step by step. I do wonder about the about the orphanage, though. I don't know what the benefit was for him and why she was hiding that from him for she was saying, I was going to bring it to you next week when it was all finished. I don't know why Oswald particularly would be interested in the orphanage. Is, is it about losing both his parents and she feels that this would be a good monument for him? And if so, why isn't his name on the outside of the 
of the orphanage. It was the Falcone orphanage. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange uh, setup anyway, because, I mean, she does say that she's here for charitable projects that, that the Falcone name is going towards. So, you know, this yeah. is the orphanage. Um, it kind of shows Zaz isn't the best guy to send out following her <laughs> when, you know, he's not actually looking what the building is. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they hurry up with this storyline personally for myself. It, it seems to be being drawn out, but I do kind of still like the idea that we don't know her end game. Yeah. Um, both ourselves as the audience, but also Jim is still questioning what she's doing. And she has a plan and she has an end game. But again, I do feel that... Um, if she succeeds with this emotional entrapment, that it will kind of undermine Oswald's uh, main lesson that he learned by the end of season three with his experience with Ed Nigma. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what they do here. Uh, just hurry up and do it. <laughs> just one quick note about that. I definitely wouldn't be leaving Zaz as your receptionist in uh, in your office if I was... Uh, if I was Oswald, I think the moment with Zaz, which is absolutely standout in the episode, is where he's telling Oswald that uh, that he's been stood up for dinner. And then Oswald says, did she tell you why? And he goes, something came up. I don't know. I wasn't even listening <laughs> to him. So, uh, yeah, Zaz is not a receptionist. He's good at murder, uh, but not the greatest receptionist. And as we found out, and as you said, John, not very good at surveillance either when he takes a completely different tack for something so simple that was happening. Absolutely. Um, I think with that, on to case note three. Mm-hmm. Professor Pig is on the warpath. Yeah, really just about the intro of this character that we've been talking about since uh, Balloon Man, episode three, right back in season one of Gotham, uh, there was a character wearing a plastic pig mask on his face, and that's the only preview photograph that we thought we'd, that we'd seen. So we thought perhaps they're bringing in this character of Professor Pig, which, as you can probably see now, would have been a bit too crazy for Gotham back in season one. I think he suits Gotham now as it is after four seasons of the show. Um, but I love this character. I love his introduction with his oink oink, as uh, you mentioned earlier on, John. Um, but the scene of Professor Pig putting makeup on a pig's head, singing along to opera music in the room, that is just classic. It's fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. it. It's really superb. I mean, I have to say he fits in uh, so well to this Gotham universe. Um, I think the, the the pig head on him is really well done i think it's real classy uh for that psychotic killer i love the accent that um the person beneath the mask uh, has it just really suits the the whole thing that there's this sort of real base naturalistic violence sort of tendency in what he's doing you know he's doing butchering He's he's killing, yet at the same time he's listening to opera. This all fairly highfalutin mm-hmm. and very sophisticated kind of uh, nuances to to the personality. Um, you know that contrast here uh, with his accent and, and the opera music. Uh, you know he's very well spoken. It is really really good, and I, I think um, yeah, I thought it, the pig mask was really really good. Yeah. Um, just the fact that the bottom jaw was his face; they yeah. had taken that away from the pig head. Yeah, and um, it's a really really good, really good translation for the comics. Yeah, I, I was getting kind of a French 
twang to the accent that is definitely American, but it was getting a little French twang to the accent that the actor Michael Cervais was affecting for this particular moment. An interesting fact that just came out today, John, that apparently the actor Michael Cervais went for the role of Alfred uh, in Gotham season one. So we may have had an oink-oink Master Bruce uh, at some point. Interesting, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I love that he got this part. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him. We'll definitely see more next week as Jim and Harvey track him down. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting and a great one for Halloween, really, this episode. Yeah, and his motives are really uh, interesting here because they do chime with Jim Gordon from previous seasons where mm-hmm. he's going after the bagmen for Penguin who are dealing out all the money to, to the cops, detectives and officers, the bribery, um, and he's targeting these four bagmen uh, for, for murder. Which ultimately then leads to Jim asking Penguin for for help, um, you know, to try and sort this out. Penguin doesn't actually seem too bothered. He's going, these are just foot soldiers that can be replaced. He doesn't necessarily see Professor Pig as a threat here at the moment. But um, yeah, it, it's a really interesting connection, I think, that Professor Pig has with, with Jim in respect of the motives that professor pig has here yeah and and to an extent you see that when jim is captured that professor pig is absolutely willing to um leave him be and not kill him even though he's got him tied up yeah. uh, to the chair you know he sees that they have the same goal again different methods yeah he, he almost calls him an inspiration he's saying to him I, you know I, I would shake your hand but that wouldn't really be appropriate right now um, you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting that again jim has been an inspiration for the city of gotham in a really really bad way that seems to be kind of what happens to poor jim uh, as he tries to clean up the city hopefully a certain um bat-winged future defender won't have that same problem with the uh, with the criminals of Gotham. Um, but I did love that scene between Penguin and Jim. It's, it's a scene we've kind of been missing for part of this season. Uh, the actual control Penguin has here. It's a moment where Penguin's saying to him, the reason I'm able to help you out is because of the licenses that you have been so resistant to using. Uh, I really like th- that he's saying to him, you know, and if I can be of any more assistance to you, please let me know. It's a real... I've got everybody else under my finger, but you're the one thing that's getting away from me, Jim. Uh, and, and you know it. You know that what I'm doing is right. So it's a nice, a nice scene between the two of them. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think on to case note four, the investigation to find the bag men. They're hot on the hooves, as we said, um, of Professor Pig. Yeah. Um, they, they're trying to just narrow down who are the bag men within the GCPD working for Penguin and eventually find a snitch who tells them who who the east side bagman is um you know there's the blind saxophonist as well and so harvey and jim really get to to build this 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 trail of, of evidence to to go after uh, professor pig and i really like that i love seeing harvey and jim together doing this it very much reminds me of like um the spirit of the goat from season yeah. one yeah, yeah. and and that i really enjoyed here yeah. and certainly it's not until they catch up with um officer nakajima um and i mean just that was really brutal where the grenade goes off uh, but it's a great scene uh, and in the end you know this is the trap that professor pig has laid so that he can um you know save his own bacon i suppose <laughs> uh by by capturing jim and 
Harvey. Mm -hmm. And this is where we have this fantastic conversation between Professor Pig and Jim. And I I, I think just the flamboyancy of of Professor Pig as well. It's just so good. Everything about it just chimes of contradiction between the two you know he's sophisticated but he's completely uh, brutal you know he he's intelligent is well spoken but his actions are anything but mm-hmm. uh, that you know are really just so so good i could just say that that's a grenade in officer nakajima that did have a, remind me of uh, dark knight um, the bomb inside the criminal in the in, oh, in the mobile in the phone, GCPD, yeah. yeah, with the mobile, mobile phone, yeah, definitely a reminder of that. But a fantastically executed scene, really enjoyed that. But really, the key to the investigation is just all about finding a cop who isn't a douche nozzle, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> I really did like the investigation, though. It's something that, again, we've kind of been a little bit critical of how Jim gets to some of the conclusions that he gets to over the course of the season. But sometimes that's just for time on the show; they only have a certain amount of time, and they can't show the investigation every time. So uh, I did like them showing a good investigation in this where you track level to level and find some really interesting Hannibal-like tapestries of these victims of Professor Pig. I like that they've got a really good um, crazy bad guy in here. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. Yeah, definitely. And this kind of leads us into Case Note 5 as well where, uh, you know, Harvey is on Penguin's payroll. You know, Professor Pig has just left Jim. Jim is trying to escape and you, you see this moment where, um, Jim has, has managed to get out of his, his, uh, binds and he's there faced with Professor Pig with a knife to Harvey's throat. And, you know, what we find is Harvey Bullock is also on Penguin's payroll and Professor Pig cuts him, slits his throat, but only enough to really uh, open it up. It doesn't go deep enough to kill him um, and, and to sever the arteries. And it, and it's really interesting seeing uh, then Jim's reaction to this uh, in the hospital where Harvey is recovering because, you know, it, it's, it, that is a real great moment in Gotham seeing these two partners. Suddenly there's a trust issue because, you know, Jim is dead set against this penguin licensing system. Harvey is there kind of going, well, the commissioner basically said we had to do it. So I've done it. I have bills mounting up, all this kind of thing. It's really nice to suddenly see that kind of dysfunctional Harvey and which makes him take the wrong decision because he's got the debts, he's got the drinking problem and and all of this kind of thing. He's just following orders for the quiet life. Uh, very much like we saw in season one and, uh, and two, really. Um, and this has kind of brought it back to that. And that's really interesting. I really like that. Uh, and I, I think it, it adds for a nice tension between Jim and, and Harvey. Uh, but of course, in Harvey having his throat slit, Professor Pig is able to escape capture from Jim because Jim chooses to save Harvey Bullock. It wasn't you know? even a choice. It wasn't at all. No, exactly. Yeah, um, I must. I must say, after the amount of TV shows and movies that use the slitting of the throat to kill a character. Honestly, I was going to the ad break thinking they'd killed Harvey Bullock. I remember one of our friends over at Legends of Gotham, Bill, who used to present that podcast about Gotham, uh, had a theory in season two of the show that uh, that the show was that the show was going to lose Donald Logue, that he was going to get killed at some point during the show. Um, and this was the moment I thought it was happening. I thought they were going to kill Harvey when, when I was watching it live. <laughs> I'm so happy they didn't. I love this character. He's my and one of my favorite characters in the show. So I'm so glad he's still here. But being on, on the Penguin's payroll, you know, you're, you're right there. I know he's not your partner anymore, Harv, but listen to Jim sometimes. He's not always wrong. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the moment of the week, John? The moment of the week for me is absolutely Professor Pig stood over Jim having that conversation. I, and I think, as you said before, where he's applying the makeup to the pig mm. uh, with the opera um playing in the background i just think professor pig has been done really 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 well um and i just thought it was really creepy for for halloween which was great and the whole aura around professor pig just really fits with this universe and it's great to see sort of a you know a non um powered as it were bad guy this is a guy who is simply trying to do the right thing, like Jim has done, like Captain Barnes, but his methods are against everything that Jim stands for. Yeah. And Captain Barnes stood for until he became the executioner. He's still you saying know? he does stand for those exact same morals, but he's crazy about it, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I totally agree. There's some really good moments there this week. Uh, my favorite line of the week really is Zaz's conversation with Penguin, where um, where Penguin's saying to him, you need to have a chat with Sophia. And Zaz responds with, is it a chat chat or a shovel in the trunk chat? And Penguin says, get the shovel. Um, <laughs> Sophia was really going for uh, for that early dirt grave um, pretty soon, a lot sooner than uh, than she probably thought. But she got herself out of it. Uh, looking forward to seeing what happens with her next week. And finally, our Gotham character of the week. We can't go through the full episode without speaking of Cherry, uh, the leader of the Fight Club. I love her style. I love how she's created. I love how ruthless she is. We've got a guy who's in her ring in the Fight Club effectively killing two of her champions, people who've been at the top of their game before Grundy arrived, and she just goes, now I've got a new cash cow, as if you know, people in Gotham are that ruthless that they're going to come in and watch him murder someone every single week or every single night of the week even. Definitely. Um, twice a night, in fact, because she even says to Leslie she's going to put him back on stage that evening. So, yeah, she um, is the cherry bomb, for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, she's a great character, and I'm just hoping that, the you know, we get to see little snippets of her um, over the course of the next few episodes, whilst yeah. we also see, you know, Nigma, Grundy, and Tompkins um, figuring their thing out, you know? Yeah. I think that'd be really, really good. And just like having a little, little touch of a little background character like Cherry, who's really cool, uh, shows you again how crazy Gotham can be. So, John, overall, how would you rate the episode? I would give this four mixed grills out of five, yeah. <laughs> and that's with a pork chop, uh, a nice string of sausages, uh, a couple of rashes of bacon, uh, and some good old berry black pudding. You are making me so hungry, John. Nice, nice. That's that's good four out of five. That's a good, uh, good yeah, level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Professor Pig here absolutely steals the show. Um, I loved it, and I really, really enjoyed the team-up of, of Jim and Harvey, and then that kind of fracturing with Jim finding out about Harvey being the payroll of, of, of Penguin. I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah, I mean, Professor Pig is both horrifying um intriguing and you really want to just see uh, what he will do uh in in the next episode i think um i'm really intrigued to see um what happens um over at cherry's uh, fight club i really want to see these three misfits come together and just see what they become i, I think it's a really good idea i should say uh, the fact that especially for Leslie Tompkins, she's separate from Jim. Enigma is now kind of separate from the Penguin and Oswald, and Grundy is separate from his entire 
old life uh, by it. so it's it, it's a, a new kind of spin and take and angle into the world of gotham which I, i'm really going to enjoy um with regards to sophia and penguin i just wish they would hurry that up a bit to be honest right. um i really want to see where they go with it I'm intrigued to see if Sophia really has got the upper hand over Penguin. I'd like to believe that she hasn't. Um, so I really want to see what happens there. But um, yeah, enough of the dinner dates uh, and more of the shovel and spades, as Zaz would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Just one little note for me for the episode. I did. Uh, I think we kind of talked about why is Leslie back in the city of Gotham. I kind of like how they wrote this. I like I like the touch. It's effectively that she was going to leave the city, um, but the Tetch virus had such an impact on the Narrows, uh, the lower, poor, poor area of town, that since that's her fault for stopping Jim going after it, then she stay, she's staying in the city to help cure and help fix these innocents who are caught up in effectively something that was caused by her. I really like that touch. I think that makes sense for the character of Leslie Tompkins. Even as she is now, it makes sense that she would be w- willing enough to stay in town for that reason. I think it's an, a, a good choice. Uh, again, not to be, oh, I'm, I'm following my heart and I'm staying in town for Jim. This is about her um, paying back for what she did uh, at the end of, of season three. So I think it's a really nice t- touch and I'm, I'm glad they, they had that in the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think with that, on to our feedback for this episode. You can send in feedback by email. Just go to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and leave your thoughts about any episode of Gotham or this season four so far. Mm-hmm. Claire Payne has come in by email with, Hi, John and Derek. As always, Gotham is not failing to disappoint this season. Professor Pig is incredibly intriguing, freaky, and looking forward to his story arc over the next few episodes. And I really like the tone of his voice. For me personally, I find Scarecrow more scurry. Jim and Harvey's scene were the best, really quite heartbreaking, especially when Harvey was in hospital and Jim finds out Harvey is on Penguin's payroll. Mm -hmm. Ed, Grundy, and Leslie were also brilliant. Leslie's sarcastic response, why she wouldn't forgive Ed, was great. And the way he is convinced that Leslie is the one person that can help him become smart. Grundy's and Leslie's interactions were a joy to watch, especially when Grundy called Leslie Hello Pretty Lady as she walks by after agreeing to help Ed. Really looking forward to see how this trio will play out through the rest of the season. Also, Leslie's reasons for returning to Gotham City were explained nicely with her having guilt because of the virus. (laughs) My question about the whole Sophia and Oswald scene at the beginning of the episode is whether Sophia knew Jim was in her house hiding behind the door frame, as I didn't think she looked that surprised to see him, even though she convinced Jim that she was. Oswald has many sides, and when he is sweet on someone, he is really lovely, even though his healthy paranoia does keep creeping back in, especially when Sophia cancels their lunch date. Oops, sorry, it wasn't a date. (laughs) Zaz again does have one of the best lines in the episode, where he asks Oswald, just so we are clear, is this a chit-chat or shovel-in-the-trunk kind of chat? Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering about that as well when Sophia says um, says to Oswald, I don't see anybody around here, and she's saying, you've been seen by all the eyes of Gotham. Was she just saying she knew that Jim was in the building? I don't see anybody around here, but I know Jim's in the background. Yeah, an interesting, interesting catch there, Claire. Yeah, thank you, Claire, for that feedback. Definitely really good to see the Grundy, Ed and Tompkins trio uh, coming together as well. And yeah, completely with you on 
the old uh, piggy wiggy, definitely. Uh-huh. Um, Kat Tarka also sent us an email. She says, wow, so this week's episode gave me quite a mix of feelings. Let's start with the most frustrating parts for me. I'm not crazy about what's going on with Sophia and Oswald. Oswald supposedly shuts himself off from his emotional side, and yet he falls for Sophia's friendship so easy. I didn't get it. What is so enticing about what Sophia offers him that is giving him the pact he made after it was so disastrous for him? I'm still holding out that there is more to Oswald's reaction than meets the eye, that he still is somehow possibly playing Sophia or hesitating to fall for her head over heels. Not to mention what is so special to Oswald about an orphanage. He wasn't an orphan growing up, and he has stated in the past that he does not like children. I'm really hoping that the next few episodes console my feelings, because right now it honestly does not make sense to me. The only redeeming quality of this storyline is that there is more Zaz. There should always be more Zaz. Absolutely. Zaz all the way. Definitely. Yeah, Kat, I'm thinking exactly the same thing. I'm hoping they explain a bit more of this as the episodes go on. Sophia is definitely working hard on this relationship. She's taking it very slowly with him. As I said, there is that drop line about them already having three dinner dates that we didn't see. And this was a fourth and there was going to be a fifth. So she is taking their relationship very slowly. Um, But... Yeah, it does need to start moving now. We do do need to start getting a bit of an explanation as to what's going on. Uh, Kat goes on to say, I'm also very obsessed with how things ended with Jim and Bullock. Jim has absolutely no consideration or sympathy for Bullock's situation. Why? Because he's breaking Jim's own strict moral code, which Jim himself has betrayed on multiple occasions. Really, Jim, you're going to give Bullock crap about taking money from Penguin for doing something he doesn't have a choice in, but you're going to sleep around with Sophia Falcone thinking there won't be consequences. Give me a break. Interesting point of view, Kat. Well, I have to say, now you've said it, Cass, I am with you on that. I mean, I actually really like the fracture that it brings to Jim and Bullock. I think, like, dramatically it, it helps with them. You know, they're working as a team one minute and, and it's fractured. But you are completely right. And this has always been one of my issues with Jim Gordon as a character, is that he is the most unsympathetic person in the world he will kill people if he gets jealous he will give them the the dressing down and and give the high ground where um he has also betrayed as you say his own moral code and this is a similar instance of that i think i do agree with you i think this is one of the areas where jim's character um, is not one that you can necessarily warm to um, because he is so unsympathetic or so inconsiderate about other people's feelings or, as you say, situation, despite him, as you say again, um, breaking his own moral codes on so many occasions. So it's a tough one for me because I do agree with you on that, but I certainly do like the fracture between Jim and Bullock that happens here at the end of this episode, purely from the contrast of how they had been working as a team beforehand. Um, but I, I, I would be with you with regards to um, your assessment of Jim. Shock, horror, as they say. Yeah, Jim has always been more of a do what I say, not do what I do. And I think he just kind of felt that since Harvey was his partner and worked alongside him for this many years and has seen the corruption that Penguins brought to the city and has seen the damage that these criminals have brought to the city, that he may have taken on board Jim's recommendation that he not uh, support that and take money from it. Uh, I think he just assumed since his partner was in power at the GCPD and, and in the captain's seat that he may be a little bit beyond corruption. It was only the rest of the GCPD he had to worry about. So to me, I must say, it was a huge surprise that Harvey had taken money 
move from Penguin. Uh, I, 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 I know he's had some corruption scandals in the comic books. Uh, I know he's had some corruption scandals before Jim arrived in town, but it felt like Jim was changing him over the season. So, hey, that's, that's just the way Gotham goes, sadly. So, uh, But Jim was very quick to put his foot down and say, it ends now. It's not even, there's no question now if, if we're going to continue our relationship, this ends, is, is where we left it. But in Kat's own words, let's move on to the positives. Oh my goodness, Pig, how perfect is he? Not to mention they introduce him singing creepily to opera, which was honestly what I most wanted to see. It gave me goosebumps how perfect he is. I am so excited to see more of him. I hear he is supposed to sing a musical number, which I cannot wait for. I did hear that, and I was wondering if it was just him singing along to the opera that they were talking about. But uh, but you never know. We could hear a musical Gotham episode coming up in the future. Yeah. Then, what did they do with Lee? Bitch, yes. Uh, I was so frustrated with where they took her last season, but already she is pretty much redeemed in my eyes. I love the dual side of her softness with those who suffer, but then her bad assery when it comes to dealing with frozen-brained Ed. I'm also excited with where they are taking her and Ed's relationship. I know there was no easy way to get her to help Ed after he decimated her relationship with Jim, but seems like even with this brain on the mend, Ed can at least see blatant solutions when they are presented to him. (laughs) Ed has also continued to quell my fears of how he would be without his smarts. I am still thoroughly enjoying his character and Corey's performance, and I am still excited to see how this new struggle changes and evolves his character. I can't say much about Grundy that hasn't already been said. He is perfect baby cinnamon roll, and continues to be. Has anyone made a Grundy teddy bear yet? I feel like someone really needs to make a Grundy teddy bear. Uh, Excellent. I have seen some great Grundy cosplay so far uh, already, and it's only two weeks in the show. Uh, I'm sure a Grundy teddy bear is coming very soon. I'll certainly get one yeah definitely cat finishes off with so here's hoping that next week improves upon what worries me but continues to develop what works i also hope you guys had a wonderful vacation and a very happy birthday thanks cat thank you cat thank you very much and over on our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast, Charlotte Bain says, It was fantastic. Professor Pig is horrific and creepy person from the beginning, and trying to rationalize his position with Jim was cat and mouse confrontation. I loved it. Thanks, Charlotte. Annalise on Facebook also says, First off, I hope your week of birthdays went well. Why, thank you, Annalise. Yes, it was um, a good party weekend, for sure, in Dublin. Um, On the episode, she goes, I thought this episode wasn't as amazing as the previous ones on the season so far. I was rather disappointed in the Oswald scenes with Sophia because I was left longing for him to catch on to Sophia or even know what she was up to. He's been smarter than that before. I guess her emotional games have really gotten to him. I couldn't help but laugh when she gifted him an orphanage. Professor Pig didn't didn't disappoint and you could tell he was a musical theatre background through his performance. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with him when I met him at the Gotham location shoot I attended. Grundy and Ed are still adorable and I wait a bit cautiously to see how Lee will fit in. Very interesting. Got to meet uh, Michael Chavez uh, when he was on the set of Gotham. That's quite cool. Um, he's an actor who was in uh, Fringe, I think, as well. He was uh, was his big role before the show. He's done many other uh, roles. with The big one I remember him from. So, uh, really cool. Thanks very much for that, Alanis. 
Chris Eggie, uh, also on our Facebook group, says, It was better than the last episode, but in my opinion, there's still some way to go bef- up to that level the first four episodes of this season. Professor Pig was marvellous. I was a bit anxious at first because I feared that the pig theme could have gone really wrong really easily, but these scenes were on point, and the staging and performance were equally creepy and absurd. But I have a question about Harvey taking money from Penguin. Does that strike you as a bit out of character? I'm not really sure if it fits... In the point, in this point of the view of the show, season one, Harvey would have no no objections for sure. But Harvey in season four, I don't really know what to think of it. Yeah, I think that's kind of how they've taken the character, really. And I do wonder sometimes whether it's simply because they've used the character in a way that is kind of a sidekick to to Jim, rather than fully going into that character, which I think they started to do in season one. That certainly the spirit of the goat was very much around um, Harvey being the partner of Jim there. You certainly see um, in his relationship with with Jim at the GCPD, you see, you know, he's taking the Pepto-Bismol, he's taking all that. And then that whole kind of nuance aspect about his character did change, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, but with no real sense of it being because of Jim, it is probably likely to be because of that. But it was more that certainly for maybe a season and a half, and that's part of the reason why we did the the bullockism of the week, is that he was coming in with those funny lines. And whilst that was fun, you didn't necessarily fully get to grips with this fantastic character, except at certain sort of staging points through the season where his character suddenly had something really important within the the, the show other than uh, being Jim's partner. And so I think it's more that the character of Harvey has not necessarily been as well-developed as it could have been. Um, I think they've had a lot of other characters to develop, uh, both characters coming in, going out, being killed off, resurrecting, and so on. So I definitely understand what you mean, because um, that change doesn't necessarily seem to fit with the Harvey that we're seeing, you know, from season three and at this early stage of season four. Yet from the comics and certainly from season one, you would probably see, as you say, that this would not be an issue at all. But I think it's simply that to an extent, the character of Harvey Bullock has been sidelined uh, in terms of real development and and that's partly down to the way they took the show yeah. uh, in a different direction in season one because it wasn't really about the cops and the gcpd anymore mm-hmm. and that's in the same way that they got rid of the major crime unit and, and really you know got rid of internal affairs but i think on your point i really would think it is in keeping with harvey bullock's character that yeah. he would do this there's nothing really, as you say, there's nothing really that's said over the last three seasons. There's nothing that's said that he's changed enough that he wouldn't do this. He's seen an opportunity here. His hands are tied because he has to follow the commissioner. And he's got de- got debts to pay, and this is an easy way out. Harvey is definitely known as taking the easy way out. But as I said, it was a surprise to me, and it was a surprise to Jim, that he's gone down this path of, of taking it from, from Penguin. Uh, Chris goes on to say the Ed Grundy Lee or the Grunkins scenes uh, were fantastic. <laughs> and we see glimpses how good they are, are all as actors, which was great. And I love the scene with Ed ordering the green grasshopper cocktails. My personal issue is that I don't get emotionally involved in the storyline, so I don't really care what happens there at the fight club. I don't really know why that is. 
Um, the Sophia Oswald storyline is still interesting, and I find it quite convincing how Sophia plays Oswald by using his weaknesses against him. I like that they are slowly developing this plot. I just wish they gave us more information about her plans. If this goes on, I'm afraid it might get tiring rather sooner than later. To sit and watch Sophia doing things episode by episode while we as the audience have to guess what her plans are and where this is going. And I wouldn't like that, especially since I thought that it was quite obvious in this episode that Sophia had set Oswald up in what later turned out to be the orphanage. Yeah, I think it was pretty clear that she was um, making sure that he followed her uh, when she turned when she didn't go to lunch with him. She knows all about him. She's investigated him. So, uh, yeah, as, as John mentioned earlier on, I'm really hoping that they um, that they keep the storyline, but that they move a bit faster in it and we start seeing something. Chris ends off with, but by and large, I really like the episode and I'm, I'm really looking forward to another Professor Pig episode next week. Definitely, me too. Thank you, everyone, for for all the feedback. It is so good to get your thoughts, and it's, it's really nice to see these differing opinions yeah. coming in. It's it's really good to see, uh, but certainly. Uh, we are all there with the pig. Absolutely, really looking forward to more. Uh, as John mentioned earlier on, if you want to send us in any of your own feedback, all you need to do is email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Come on and join us over in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash gothamtvpodcast, or you can send us a voicemail over on our website at gothamtvpodcast.com. Absolutely. And of course, please share the love. Uh, come on over, listen, subscribe leave a review, leave a rating on our podcast over at Apple Podcasts at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or please do it on any other good or evil podcast catcher. Just go over to our website, gothamtvpodcast.com, and search out the subscribe area on the right-hand side. Yep, and of course, we will be back uh, next week at the same not at the same time in fact we will be back at the regular time of sunday and we will be looking at episode seven a day in the narrows which airs on the second of november so thank you so much for joining us yeah absolutely i have a feeling that uh, leslie hiding out in the narrows isn't going to stay hidden very long if uh, harvey and jim are spending a day in the narrows yeah i have a feeling she might be found out next week uh, really looking forward to that though uh, with a bit more professor pig and really looking forward to more of your thoughts uh, if you get get them into us before saturday we should have them on the podcast uh, for next sunday as john said thanks so much for all the birthday wishes we've had a great week a uh, little break after 28 weeks back to back doing gotham a little extra uh, couple of days to record this episode but thanks so much for your time and thanks so much for, for subscribing to the episode yeah thank you so much for all the birthday wishes for sure uh, it's really kind of you and um, this little piggy is going to go wee 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 all the way home um, <laughs> and so thank you so much for joining us and listening to us and we will be back with you again next time thanks bye bye This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Renee Montoya on Gotham. Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor. I'm David Mazuz. Hey, Gotham TV podcast listeners. This is Maggie Gia, otherwise known as Poison Ivy. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV podcast.